and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, and today I'm speaking with Adam Christian Clark, director of Diary of a Spy. The incredible true story that led to this psychological thriller is something you will not believe. Stick around and find out. I was absolutely delighted to see Diary of a Spy. I was not sure what to expect from it, but it was probably the most human thriller I have seen in a very long time. I myself make genre films. I work in the realm of horror, and it's so unusual to see a film with such intimate performances and raw vulnerability within the dialogue that doesn't quite translate exactly the way you would expect. And I wondered if you could comment a little bit on, first of all, what caused you to make this film to begin with and where that vulnerability comes from? Well, thanks for saying that, Ariel. Um, I think that, well, first off, I I um, don't make genre films. So this is the first time I've ever even gotten close to a, a genre. So that might be part of it. I love genre films as a fan, but it's not super my sensibility. Uh, my previous two movies are character-driven dramas. The second one, Newly Single, is like a character-driven drama, but it's also a very dark comedy. But regardless, both of them are, are, are character pieces. So I think that that comes just from that's how I approach this. Um, but then it's also like what I'm a fan of. Like I think that when I went into this one, it was like sort of referencing a lot of these well, so, some spy movies that aren't really made anymore, like sort of like a lot of things that have been influenced by John le Carre novels, but then also mm-hmm. like I would just say like John Cassavetes movies or mm-hmm. or Clute or or some of Robert Altman's work. That's always been sort of like my, those have been some of my biggest influences. So the reason I've always been attracted to the genre of a spy, because I am a fan of the genre, it is not because of, you know, explosions or, you know, I love Jason Bourne. I love uh, James Bond and all that kind of stuff too. Like we always like that in like sort of a pop culture level and it's provide a lot of entertainment, but really what's always attracted to me to the spy genre is the concept of somebody being alone and doing something off in a world where they might not have the camaraderie or the community that someone in a different, more traditional career may have. That sensibility definitely comes through in the film, but it's fascinating to watch this spy thriller that is just as tense and just as electrifying as the action thrillers that you see because the storyline and the characters connect so strongly. I wondered though, if you could talk a little bit about the true story behind this. Sure, you're kind. You're you're kind to say that. I I hope it is engaging, but um, yeah, the true story behind it is that I um I have a childhood friend who, um, like uh, slightly after college, uh, um, came to me and I had been hanging out with him a lot. He just was sort of like, you know, I'm interviewing for the CIA. If I get this, I'll never, you know, be able to tell you about it. So I'm just telling you because I'm going in for this interview tomorrow. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. So we never talked about it again sort of in the the pretense of the of the previous statement I just made but um it became clear to me and to some of our our other close friends that he was likely probably working in a job like this just because the actual jobs he had were these sort of like mundane government jobs that were in nonsensical places um so 
as my relationship evolved over the year, we kind of lost, lost touch me and him. Um, but then in towards the end of 2017, um, he was going through a divorce and he sort of, he was relocated to Los Angeles. We started connecting again, like a, a very personal way. We were drinking a lot at night and he started telling me about this, this case that he was, he was working. And um, the stories that he told me during that period ended up being the, the inspiration for, for a diary of a spy. So he's mainly the, the George character played by John Lindstrom and, and um, the two characters that Camden and Anna that are our two main characters. I've, I've met in passing, but I'm really hearing that those stories were inspired by, by the sort of filter uh, of the George character. That's fascinating. How many of these stories come that close to the truth? Like beheading a dog in the middle of the night. Well, the the, the dog wasn't the dog wasn't beheaded. So that's not, not to not to add a spoiler. But, I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm sorry. No, 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 I don't, no, I don't no, mean I, to I don't, make people think the dog dies in your movie. No, I apologize. No, no dogs were harmed <laughs> uh, in theme or in literally. I I think that a, a lot of it is very truthful. Um, so. The what I didn't have previous. So I, I would say like the events in the film are very much based on truth in terms of like plot points, locations, uh, tasks from point A to point B. I obviously wasn't there in these events. So the love, the dialogue that's centered around the intimacy and, and, and the love and the relationship between those two main characters, obviously that's a lot based on just my writing or I guess my own personal or interpersonal experiences uh, with, you know, friends or the opposite sex or, or, or whatnot. Um, but no, a lot of, a lot of the actual just like plot points are, are based at least on what I was told from him. What also strikes me about this film is that you strike a very careful balance in terms of the way that you portray the Saudi characters within the film. A lot of films in the spy genre specifically definitely delve into a bit of Islamophobia while they're presenting an image of what the Middle East is as kind of a monolith and what Middle Eastern characters are like as a monolith. And I think mm -hmm. it's absolutely phenomenal what you do with the character Fada, the princess. Right. She as a character is so compelling and so warm and terrifying at the same time that I think you did a very good job of playing that line. But how hard was that and how deliberate was that in constructing the narrative? Well, I really appreciate you bringing it up. So, I mean, to be honest, it's something that I'm very, it's, I'm very conscious of. And it's also something that I'm, you know, I wouldn't say terrified of, but I like hope that pe other people feel the same way as you. You know, the film hasn't come out yet. It comes out later this week. And um, that's something that's just so important to me. So first off, uh, Paulina Liha, who plays Fada, I think did a great job. Um, she is of Middle Eastern descent. Um, she's both Saudi and, and Lebanese, but she grew up in Mexico. Um, so I depended, I think she did a great job in, you know, channeling family members and friends and, and other people that she was very close to, um, to come up with that character. That being said though, it's like, I, I have a lot of reverence. I, I didn't want to come across, you know, as you said, as, as long with a level of Islamophobia or 
I just wanted to sort of like make human characters. I, I think that I have a little bit of um, a soft spot for the Middle East, perhaps. I mean, like I'm Skyping with you right now or Zooming with you or whatever we're doing from, from uh, Istanbul. So I'm living in Istanbul right now. I'm doing my next film here. My family lived here in this part of the world for, for hundreds of years. They were exiled in the mid-1960s. They're Greek and the Turks and the Greeks sort of parted ways in the mid-1960s for Istanbul, to put it lightly. But they've had me back, so thank God. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that comes from a different, a, a few different places. One is that I was dealing with somebody, the person that this is based on real life, I was dealing with somebody who was dealing with these people directly. So I was hearing about them and, and interacting with them in a personal way. Um, secondly, though, I mean, I think the reason I am a fan of these movies like that I earlier referenced, like John Cassavetes or Clute or these John Le Carre adaptations, it's because of the human element of them. And um, I think that I've just never really been attracted to stories where you have these art archetypal um villains or or characters uh, i guess we have there are middle eastern characters in this film that are both villains and not villains i, I guess they're um but but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i do know exactly what you mean and i feel very strongly about this aspect of this film one of my childhood best friends was from the middle east and watching her constantly struggling with different forms of xenophobia throughout her life is something that for me has always been really important. And so I was honestly terrified to watch this film knowing what it was about because I was mm -hmm. just so anxious that I was going to see more of that. And so yeah. it was such a refreshing delight. Oh, I, I appreciate that very much. I also wondered if you could comment a little bit on how you built out the characters of Anna and Camden, the relationship between Camden and Anna, because it is so unique and there are so many elements of Camden's way of interacting with the world that feel very neurodiverse. Okay. And I didn't know if that was a deliberate part of the story or if that was just me reading into it as a neurodiverse person. Well, I think that that's interesting. I, I don't know if it, I don't know what parts of it were conscious and what parts of it were unconscious for a couple of reasons. First off, to to reuse that word you just used, neurodiverse. I think I have a lot of people that uh, in my life that I would describe as complex people that embody some of those traits. So I think that perhaps a lot of my own personal life experience has been around people similar to, to how you see Camden. Um, I think that the people that are working in intelligence that I've interacted with are incredibly complex people that um, are, I think, fodder for, for both those characters. Um, and then the last thing I would say, just as a writer, as a writer director, um, uh, the writing is the part that I like the least. Like I really enjoy directing a movie um, very much. And I like the collaboration working with people in the actualization. And I enjoy the post-production process very, very much. I hate the writing process. Um, I find it to be arduous and, and isolating. And, and honestly, I never feel like I'm very, that very good at it. Um, but I would say, what I would say is this, 
I would say that some of the things I've written that I think are the best things I've written, um, I don't know if they really come from me. They're just sort of like when you reach sort of states where I feel like you're almost like a vessel for, for something coming from some other place. So um, I think that there's parts of these parts of this movie that I can identify as being very intentional and from me, but sort of like this specific point you're picking up on. I don't, I don't know if it's a subconscious thing or if it's, there's like a real life Camden spirit out there that just, <laughs> just used just me as a vessel. Upon you. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I mean that, I mean that only slightly as a joke really, because like they're, there, I believe is like when you're writing that there really is something that's coming from, from some other place. And I, I don't know if that's just my, I'm not understanding the complexity of the world we're existing in or it, or the complexity of the human brain, or if there is actually some sort of higher power that I'm, you know, not conscious of. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I can't, I can't tell you. I don't think it was really me fully. That's really fascinating. Someone that I actually interacted with when I was younger, who died several years ago, Mihai Shikson Mihai had this whole theory of flow, that you get into a flow state when you get deep in the thick of writing or painting, or yeah. whatever it is, yeah. and that it's a trance and that it's related to what the Sufis experience. And he did all of this research on how flow works from a religious standpoint, from a work standpoint, et cetera. And I think that's some of what you're describing and how that fits into that. Yeah, I know, certainly. And, and I, and his work has been so important also, like the sports space, right? It's, it's just transcended so many aspects of our culture now. And I, I believe that. And I definitely can understand that feeling. And I feel that some of the best work is during that feeling, during that state. Um, I just like, honestly think it might even go at an additional level though. Like I sometimes think it's like, might actually like not even be me that I might just be just the, some sort of thing there. (laughs) It's some sort of like spirit or being or deity or something just like wants to tell a story through. I didn't feel that so much on this film as much as I did the first two, like the first two, especially in writing those, like I really, and the newest one I'm, writing here i really felt like there were parts that that were unconscious but i think that there were parts of the dialogue where i felt that way on diary of spy but i think what was interesting with diary of spy is it was my first time working in a genre so i was trying to uh work within the the confines of that structure a structure that i had never never played with before and um i i don't think this is like the the strongest uh, adherent to to a genre structure by any means it's certainly like a dialogue driven film but but yeah <laughs> it's fascinating and working within the structure of genre in such a different way the way that you do makes it an even more powerful film I would argue oh well thanks I appreciate that did you have conflict at any point with how you were telling certain elements of the story with producers or collaborators or was everyone on the same page? I guess there's con, I mean, there's part of making a movie is certainly conflict, right? I guess as your, your job as a director, I think, and you certainly must know this Ariel. It's like, it's sort of not mitigating conflict, but, but 
finding everybody's differing opinions and and finding how they can sort of web together to make one cohesive uh, vision. So I would say I was pretty lucky on this one in terms of like the cinematographer and I were really on the same page and the actors were really on the same page and the uh, producer was wonderful. Um, So David McFarlane, the producer, or David McFarlane, the cinematographer, like really, I think, uh, created an environment with the crew that was very um, positive. Uh, David Visti, the producer, I think is also a super positive person. Um, and <laughs> Tam- Tamara and Reese are also very positive people. So I think that there was a very um, collaborative, upbeat uh, attitude on this set, more so than I had experienced in the past that helped everybody sort of come in with a good attitude every day and, and, and deal with, uh, everything positively. Um, I would say though, like there is always at the conflict of ideas, right? Because you, when you deal with a series of department heads and actors, every, and a producer, a producers, everybody has different ideas about everything. And I think one of the hardest things about making a, or directing a movie is that sometimes people have individual ideas that are actually better than the idea that you have, but you can't implement it because it on its own might stick out or, or not sort of like match with everything else where, you know, um, so so it's like, I think the hardest part, the hardest part for me as being a director is trying to deal with a great idea. That's bad for the movie. Um, And people, it's hard to explain that to people. And I think that's part of the, I think that's the hardest part of being a director or directing a movie. Well, putting it that way is actually the masterful point, because I don't think a lot of people appreciate exactly how that shakes out in the collaborative process. That's definitely a thing. That's definitely a thing. (laughs) In terms of your team of collaborators that you had around you, did you have other people from Middle Eastern backgrounds who were on the team who were helping you with the Arabic or other elements that were added into the script? Yes. Oh, yeah. And I should mention this. So I was so lucky. Um, The production company who made this um, Divide and Conquer, the primary production company, uh, the owners of that company I've known for many, many years, and they produced my first two movies. And and but they were in Atlanta on this on a job during this. Um, I think they were, gosh, I can't remember what it was. I think they were might have been doing that freaky Universal movie, or maybe that was right. It doesn't matter. Um, David Visti, who is a very good friend of mine, who had worked with them and worked at that company for many, many years. I had the great opportunity of working with him for the first time on this movie. And David actually grew up in Egypt. Uh, he, he grew up in Egypt, and he was, and also Palestine. Both um, his he's you know a quintessentially Midwestern looking kid from Wisconsin. But his parents uh, worked for NGOs throughout his entire childhood. So he he grew up in the Middle East, and you know he's fluent in Arabic, and his brother's fluent in Arabic. And both of them were very uh, instrumental to me throughout the writing process and throughout the set. And then, you know, almost all the, not almost all, all, all the Middle Eastern characters are Middle Eastern. I mean, they're all Middle Eastern in the sense of like, they're from the Middle East. I, I actually don't even think there's a Middle Eastern character in the, 
in the film who was even second generation. Uh, so that was, I was very, you know, that was a big process and some of the Arabic that was spoken on set was, you know, improvised by the actors. Um, and yeah, so yeah, <laughs> we didn't just like, you know, I, I had a lot of help. Like it was, it was partly at all me. It shows that you had a lot of collaborators in the process as well, I think, just because it feels so true to life in a lot of ways, in a way that you can only really achieve when you've got a variety of perspectives. Oh, thank you. Also, and also, gosh, and also David McFarland, the cinematographer, he uh, shot a film just right before this that premiered at Venice uh, called Screwdriver that shot entirely in Palestine. So he also has... Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of experience in this in this space. Oh, and he's also shot in uh, the, in Saudi Arabia too. So yeah, I guess it was just a good collaboration of of all the all the forces came together. Yeah, and there's a sensitivity to those perspectives that I don't think you get from typical teams working on a spy thriller. So thank you, I appreciate that. I come from a pretty diverse background in the sense that like my dad's family is incredibly waspy see wait for it they've been in america since i think like the 1630s and my mom is a first generation american and i so i think that like the two the two cultures um growing up it, it was always i saw like the contrast on almost a daily basis because the two my two grandparents my two families were like the exact opposite in a lot of ways so i think it's like that authenticity it's probably more important to me than maybe people who grew up with two parents that came from the same background um seeing like their their great contrast i think maybe more like understanding of the subtle differences of cultures you know that might be more than just like you know my skin color or more than just you know uh appearance it's just like you know even two people that look similar can be completely different mm -hmm. and those cultural differences are really compelling mm, i agree i agree i think it's one of the beautiful things about life well i want to thank you so much for this conversation this has been a real pleasure and i hope that you have a lot of success with this film and i want to encourage our audience to check out diary of a spy coming out on vod july 15th it was really nice meeting you ariel and i look forward to watching your movies i, I appreciate you talking to me. well thank you so much this is a pleasure thank you okay bye, bye bye thank you for listening and thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair Take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land, and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on Support the Show in the show notes, 
We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. (laughs) 